You are listening to Your Daily Drive, and I am Rick Thomas, and I'm glad you are tuning in. The last two or three podcasts that I have done here, they have been some version of how to connect the gospel to fill in the blank, some slice of life. I want to continue that theme today. Uh, one One of the podcasts was how to connect the gospel to being alone, how to connect the gospel to physical suffering. There's one, how to connect the gospel to evil and unfairness. Well, this one, I want I want to talk about how to connect the gospel to parental discipline. And that's the title of the podcast and the article that I'm going to share with you right now. Well, that's the title of it too. Parental discipline is a big deal because we all have been impacted by parental discipline. You were were parented by somebody. Some of you are still living in that place where you are being parented by someone, and you know very well that you you, you can do it well, and and you can do it not so well. And, And the effects of either one, it will send you in two different directions. And then many of us are in the place now. The The tables have turned. Things have flipped. We're not being parented, but we are parenting others. And so this applies to everyone, and I trust that it will be beneficial to you. And again, if you want to read the article on our website, it is titled, How to Connect the Gospel to Parental Discipline. I want to give you a a very brief testimony. One came in yesterday, and it was just really, really encouraging. It was from a person named Ray. Uh, He also made a donation to our ministry, and thank you. He became a supporting member. And Ray, thank you so much for doing that. But what he said was really, really encouraging, and I want you to be encouraged as well. He said, I'm praying for this ministry every day in the hopes that it will reach many hearts. I was a legalistic Christian. I believed in Jesus' resurrection, but I also believed that I had had to do more to gain God's favor. The The folks on this team have really helped me understand the Bible, and there are not strong enough words to say thank you for your guidance. May God shine his face on this ministry, signed Ray. Ray, thank you so much for sending that note in. I've said this before, but when you do these podcasts, as I'm doing now, the videos that we are are churning out virtually every day, there's a latency, there's a lag time from when I do them until you hear them. And so I'm doing this now, and nobody's listening to it, not even our dog. He's he's upstairs, praise God. <laughs> I was doing a video a couple of weeks ago, and I, w- I just got started in it, and the dog somehow, uh, he, 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 he came downstairs, and he started licking my fingers, and I just lost it. I just started laughing. But nobody's listening to this right now. But then some point in time, some people will be listening to it. And I have to be reminded that there are real people that are hearing these words and they they pay attention and and they appreciate. And some are, are challenging because the the way that I, I do, the way that I communicate is, is my personality. Uh, I am direct and that's not everybody's uh, piece of cake, and I understand that as well. And and those folks tend to go away, and that's fine. And and I I appreciate I appreciate the diversity and 
in the body of Christ, because if we were all the same, it just it just wouldn't work in this world. That's not how it works. And, and so I'm not supposed to be everybody's cup of tea, and I don't live and think as though I, I should. And so when people go away, I, I can rejoice in that, especially if they find someone that they really like and want to listen to, and they're benefiting from it, biblical people that they can benefit from. But then there are some who come here who well, they say, I, I like your cup of tea, and they hang around for a while, and I'm glad for you. I rejoice in that as well. I rejoice when they come. I can rejoice when they leave, as long as we're doing all of these things biblically. But sometimes I have to be reminded that there are folks listening, like what Ray said, the note that he, he sent in, and so I'm very appreciative of his words. All right, let's talk about parenting, uh, parental discipline specifically. When I say the words parental discipline, I, I would be curious as to uh, what is the first thing that com- comes into your mind. I, I know some people the first thing that will come into their minds will be their experience of parental discipline, what happened to them. And and I'm speaking mostly from those who have been crushed by it. Uh, Someone said recently that they're working through years of harshness from a parent. I'm talking about decades, because that's typically where I hear about it. it. It is children, but the children are 45 years old. 55 years old. Some of them, their parents aren't even alive now, and they still talk about those formative years and, and how it's so difficult to work through it. And I'm, I'm one of those children. It took me decades to work through what my, what my daddy put on me. I see it as a benefit now, and I don't bemoan my past at all. I haven't done that in a in a long time because I, I see the grace. I, I see what God can do with something so broken and something so horrific. But it takes a while to get to that place. I was responding on the forum just this a, this afternoon about another situation of an individual who was going through something, and I, I, I told them that, that things will change, but you won't see it. You, you won't see it in real time, is what I said. It will be like watching a child grow. Uh, you will only see it in six- and 12-month chunks of time. And that's hard when you're living in it real time, when it is acute and, and, and the pain is like you can't take any more. And so sometimes it just takes large chunks of time, and then hopefully as you get into that future date, you can look back on it and and see God's grace all in it and the things that you have learned and how you are now benefiting other people. But when I use the words parental discipline, what people hear initially, I would imagine most of the people, it, it will be just the, the behavioral interaction between a parent and a child. It's external, and, and that is a big part of it, no question. It, it is a profound part of it, but there are hearts in play too. The heart of the parent and the heart of the child. Our behaviors aren't disconnected from who we are, our ontological beings at the, the level of our souls. And so if the parent does not connect the gospel to his or her heart, the discipline will not go well. And there is a high chance that it will leave a negative shaping influence on the child's heart and life, as I have been talking about. 
So the foundation of all discipline, whether it's parental or any other relationship, is the gospel. And that's why I titled this podcast, How to Connect the Gospel to Everyday Life. In this podcast, I'm going to share with you six gospel connections to parental discipline. And as you listen, it will be a superb time to examine how you are doing with these gospel connections. Now, the talking points will make excellent conversations with your spouse, too. If you're married, now if you're not married, perhaps you can find a competent Christian friend to talk about these concepts. There are probably areas of practical change that that you can make. If your children are old enough, a family discussion would prove to be transformative. So if you're married, have this conversation with your spouse. If you're not married, have this conversation with, with a close friend. If you don't have children, you don't have children, you can have this conversation with a close friend because what I'm talking about, parental discipline, you could, you could substitute these words by, you, you could say something like how to confront someone, how, how to have a hard conversation with someone, how to talk directly to someone. It applies to you too, even if you, if you do not have, have children. Now, if you're like me, you have, not, you have not perfectly corrected your children each time. There's no way that you can do that. That is not remotely possible in a fallen world. And so you do want to distinguish between an episodic, an episodic, improper, imperfect correction, and you work through that in the moment and and, and you be done with it, versus a pattern of, of just doing it poorly all the time. Like, you, you just do it wrong all the time. A pattern will have a far more detrimental impact on a child's life than imperfect parental correction. Imperfect parental correction, you do, you fix it in the moment or shortly thereafter through repentance. And you don't spend your days and weeks looking back on it, thinking about how how it could have been better, etc., and this does happen with some parents, especially after the parenting is virtually over, and the kid is now 15, 16, 17, 18, 20, 22 years of age, and the kid is making poor choices, and sometimes the, the parent will look in the rearview mirror, and, and then they will begin to pound themselves with, with, with guilt and shame and, and all of these thought-captivating things that they did in their past. Well, that's not helpful. That just complicates an already complicated problem. And so you haven't parented well and you just correct that as you go along. And hopefully you're not in the camp where you just do it poorly all the time. Now, maybe your children are at the age or the maturity level where where they can give you feedback. Two things, those two things have to be true. They have to be old enough, which is subjective. I don't know what old enough is for your children. It will really have something to do with the maturity level. That's the other thing that has to be true. They have to be mature enough. And so if they're old enough and they're mature enough, then you can have these discussions. If you cannot have these discussions, with your child, then that is an indicator of the effect of your discipline. And if that is an indicator of the effect of your discipline, then you want to take another track. 
You need to go somewhere else and do something else. You need to correct what might be wrong with you before you can correct what is going wrong with your relationship. The title of the podcast, How to Connect the Gospel to Parental Discipline. I'm going to give you six gospel connections. Number one, connecting the gospel to a picture. Connecting the gospel to a picture. Though parental discipline does not eradicate sin as the gospel does, it is a picture of the gospel and what the gospel can do. A picture of the gospel is the father bore and burned his wrath on his son to wholly and successfully take care of our sin problem. Parental discipline does not do that. But it does paint a picture of of what the child must understand regarding the gospel. So this picture points to a, a reality that does remove, does eradicate our sin. Your child's gospel need will not be a strange concept to him if you have administered discipline appropriately and adequately throughout their lives. A biblically disciplined child should be able to make the connection from the temporary setting aside of their sin through parental discipline to the permanent setting aside of their sin because of the gospel. And so the first gospel connection is I'm connecting it to a picture. Number two, connecting the gospel to a debt. Parental discipline points the child to the need for a payment for their sin. If there were no discipline in the home, the child would have a skewed view of sin, which would mute the seriousness of their transgressions. If you did no parental discipline at all, I mean, it could be the child could begin to receive and learn this message that there is no payment for sin, and there are some people who, who live that way in their, their lives. They, they do whatever they want to, willy-nilly, and, and it's like it doesn't matter. I've seen videos, and perhaps you have seen them as well, where, where folks just go right into a store and just, just grab stuff right off the shelves. I'm not talking about being sneaky about it. I'm talking blatantly in front of a camera uh, taking 10 or, or 15 boxes full of shoes out the store, and you just look at them. This is like, th- this is a normal way of living for some people. Like in California, no disrespect for my students. I have some students in, in California, but there there's some bad stuff that happens, and there's no payment. There's no payment for their sin, Parental discipline points the child to the need for a payment. You do something wrong, and if you don't, if you don't pay for it through discipline, the child pays for their sin. They'll have a skewed view. Sin is a dangerous thing. Ultimately, nothing points out the severity of sin like the cross of Christ. But parental discipline can be an excellent aid to illustrate the heinousness of rebellion. A parent who does not discipline is unwittingly minimizing the necessity of the gospel and is setting their child up for future disappointment as they struggle with understanding and accepting the consequences of their actions. 
Imagine a child who's never disciplined. We call that a spoiled brat. And this child now becomes a young adult and is in a place like, say, the workplace, and and they are disciplined for some action that they did. And they have no concept of that. And they react adversely as though they are a victim to what is happening to them because it's, it, it is as though they did not do anything wrong. The parent that does not discipline mocks the gospel. Six gospel connections to parental discipline. Number one, connecting the gospel is a picture that points them to a, 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 a fantastic opportunity to receive Christ through the gospel and the full, complete eradication of sin. Number two, connecting the gospel to a debt. Number three, connecting the gospel to motivation. No parent should discipline out of sinful anger. When this happens, the discipline is more about the parent's frustration with the child than the need for the child's freedom from sin and respect for discipline. If you discipline a child out of sinful anger, what you will do is you will pile on to the problem that the child has. You you will take your sin and you'll pile it on to the child's sin, and it will obscure the picture that you're trying to paint. And the child will not see the need for the freedom of their sin because they will be reacting so much to what you are doing to them. Plus, they will not respect discipline. They will see discipline as being punitive. And though discipline is punitive in that the child is receiving punishment, the primary goal of discipline is restoration. There's a redemptive aspect to parental discipline. The burning of our sin on Christ is is restorative for anyone who believes. It was the kindness of the Father that led to our repentance, not his meanness. And so you see there's a restoration effect to, to uh, discipline. There, there is a redemptive effect. There is a kindness of effect. But if you discipline out of sinful anger, concepts like restoration and redemption and kindness, that, that will get lost in the child's mind because of the meanness in which the discipline was was measured out to them. There is no place for sinful anger in the parental discipline process. And so point number three is connecting the gospel to motivation. I'm talking about the motive of your heart. What is your motivation for doing this? Number four, connecting the gospel to hope. I'll never forget the first time I disciplined my son, though it was before he learned to talk, he was trying to put his finger in a in an outlet because that's as high as he could reach, about 13, 14 inches off the floor. His facial expression communicated confusion and bewilderment as to why his dad was disciplining him. He had no context for this. He couldn't talk obviously, and so he did not know these words. But those early years of discipline have led to many in-depth conversations about sin and their ultimate, all of our children, their ultimate need for salvation, connecting the gospel to hope I'm talking about. Nothing removes the distractions of a person's life and points them directly 
to the cross, the ultimate pardon that any of us will ever receive, as discipline does. Discipline points us to the ultimate pardon. We're talking about hope now, connecting the gospel to hope. Early child discipline sets the tone in the home while providing a path that leads them to their most significant need, which is the gospel, connecting the gospel to hope. Number five, connecting the gospel to instruction. The discipline of children teaches them about the gospel. The actual physical discipline is is quick and is to the point. It is instructing them, but in a very quick and and, and pointed way, you're not spending time doing the physical part of discipline. In, in contrast, our practice has been to center the bulk of the time during the discipline process around discussions, instruction. I'm connecting the gospel to instruction around discussions about the gospel, like the power for change, the motive for change like encouragement and forgiveness and repentance and confession and transparency and so much more. You're connecting the gospel to instruction through parental discipline. Now, sadly, due to some people's harsh experience with parental discipline from their parents, they define the word discipline, and they never use the words like encouragement and grace and motivation and kindness. Now, surely nobody would in the moment of discipline. When God disciplines you, your first words are probably not encouragement and grace and motivation and kindness, but you should rebound quickly. You should get there quickly if the discipline is done well and God's discipline is. And if the parent is imitating the father through parental discipline, then then there aren't the harsh experiences that that begins to evaporate and discipline begins to begins to draw out other kinds of words but unfortunately everybody does not have that their interpretation of discipline comes from their experience not the bible the father loves those whom he disciplines too many children have not experienced the love of their parents through the discipline process Number five, connecting the gospel to instruction. Number six, connecting the gospel to eradication of sin. I I talked about it in a way earlier, but I want to make it its own standalone connection because parental discipline does really point to that. Ultimately, the children need the gospel. We all need the gospel. Discipline, parental discipline, is is more like a restorative peace treaty, but it does not thoroughly remove the hostilities that led to the now reclaimed peace, shalom, that you have in your home. And so discipline is just a temporary stopgap. It's a restorative peace treaty. And though there is a temporary shalom, sin does remain. And it's going to come back again. The child will probably do that thing again. It's only when the child comes to Christ that they will be able to live in soul-cleansing forgiveness and restoration. The big idea for the parent is to know this truth. 
that the discipline of your child, you, you discipline your child with hope in view because you are leading them down a path, and that's what parental discipline does. It leads them to the cross ultimately. You know that you're setting the stage for them to seek and to, to grasp the gospel. If you don't keep the faith, if you, if you don't keep hope in your heart as you, as you correct your child, you won't export the hope of the gospel to them. That's why I said earlier, I mean, if, you're, if your motivation is a, a sinful heart attitude, that's what you're going to export through the discipline, through the rod. Through the rod, you're going to, you're going to export frustration and anger. What you should be exporting through discipline, you should be exporting the hope of the gospel, connecting the gospel to the eradication of sin. All children are not the same, and neither are all sins. And so it's important that you have an adaptable guide to discipline. Uh, for example, you, you have a more insecure child. You want to tread carefully with your discipline. You may crush their spirit. There will be some sins that you will want to overlook because you can't nickel and dime your children to death. Then you have different ages. How you engage a toddler is different from your interactions with a teenager. There is no one size fits all parenting guides. The complexities of the personalities and the children's behaviors vary so much that your greatest need is, is spirit dependence as you do this. It is biblical to, to depend on the Lord, to provide the wisdom at the moment of crisis in your home. If your first call to action is not prayer, you will not discipline well. And so with these things in mind, I just want to roll through as I wrap up this podcast a few adaptable tips that may serve you as you think about disciplining your children. Don't make these the way. I mean, your family is different. There's a way and there's the way. Just let this fall under the big category of a way, something for you to consider. And so your children are different. These are merely ideas. The Spirit of God and godly counsel from those who know you will serve you more effectively. Now, if you want to read these, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about them. I'm just going to give them to you and move on. But if you want to read this and everything else that I've shared with you, please do that. Ten practical tips. Number one, attempt to find out what happened. Ask more questions than making statements. It's okay to make statements, but make sure you've asked sufficient questions. Number two, see if you can get them to identify what they did wrong. Now, this process may be humorous when the children are younger, but they will be more articulate as teenagers. Uh, we have several funny stories when our children, when we were teaching them the doctrine of repentance when they were two and three and four years of age, it was it was kind of humorous, and you have to maintain game face as you're doing that uh, with your children as you're instructing them. And number three, don't focus on the behavior as much, but become intentional and instructive about identifying ruling motives of the heart. You'll do more talking about their heart motives when they are younger, but as they get older, they will be able to locate the heart issues and, and tell you what's wrong. And so don't focus so much on the behavior. You address it, of course, but you want to be intentional and instructive about identifying the ruling motives of the heart, which will vary with the ages and maturity of the children. Number four, once they are clear on what they did, you may want to discipline them. I don't ever recommend hitting a child, pinching a child, or other physical contact with your, your body. 
with your body parts. I, it, just, I, I, it just bothers me when I see that, you know, in Walmart. You want your children to know your hands in warm ways, not as disciplinarian, disciplinarian tools. And so once they are clear, you may want to, you may want to discipline them. Number five, spend time with them post-discipline. The younger your children, the, the younger children should get your hugs and kisses while you remind them of your affection for them. Older children need your affection to spend time with them post-discipline. Number six, part of your communication is letting them know that it's over. You're not going to keep bringing it up. Think about the gospel here. God does not rub, your, rub our faces in our past sins. Number seven, ask them how you can lead and serve them better. Yeah. Parents are not perfect. As your child matures and as you create this environment of grace in the home, they will feel the freedom to answer your questions honestly. So ask them how you can serve them better, how you can be a better parent. Number eight, work on your blind spots. Part of your desire through discipline is to see them change it to disciple makers. How about that? Let them practice disciple-making on you. Teach them to disciple you, and you can do that as you ask them these open-ended questions about how you can serve them more effectively, specifically in the area of parental discipline. Turn the tables. Part of your desire, that is your desire. Let them practice. Your children should be invaluable and practical helpers in the hands of the Lord to help you mature into a better person. Number nine, always keep the gospel in view. Let them know why Christ came to take away the sin of the world. Then you encourage them as as you see them putting aside that old manner of life and picking up Christ and putting on pure righteousness and holiness. Finally, number 10, laugh a lot. If your children are more aware of your heaviness, your seriousness, your unhappiness than they are of your joy, you're doing it wrong, and you must get help today. There's more here, and you're welcome to read it on our on our website. Thank you so much for listening. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net. RickThomas.net.